This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c the future of pediatric care, if not medicine in general, in the United States especially, is going to have to shift. Mm-hmm. It's going to be similar to the ideas we're going to be talking about because the current system is failing both patients and their families and the doctors. Welcome back to the Peds.com podcast. I'm really excited about this episode because I am inviting one of my former colleagues, Dr. Andrew Elliston who is a general pediatrician, to talk about something that I don't think a lot of you may have heard of, or maybe you have, concierge medicine. Is it the future of pediatrics? Thank you so much for joining me today, Andrew. You're welcome. My pleasure. It's uh, great to be able to talk to you again. Well, me and Dr. Elliston, or Andrew, we worked together at a private practice when I first started working as a pediatrician, and he went on um, to start a concierge pediatric practice. And so I really wanted it on the podcast so that we can talk about what this is. Maybe this is something that you listening may be interested in. Maybe you are a pediatrician or a provider of some sort that wants to get into concierge medicine. So we really wanted to educate our Peds Doc Talk listeners about what this is, the benefits, and kind of why he went into it. So Andrew, tell me more about yourself and why you started a concierge pediatric practice. Sure. So I mean, as you know, because we did work together, I used to work in a traditional office-based practice with a very high volume of patients and a full workload. Mm -hmm. And concierge medicine is a tricky term because it means different things to different people. There's no specific definition for it. So it can almost mean whatever you choose for it to mean. For us in our practice, it really represents the idea that we have more availability, we can give more attention and more time for our patients, which results in basically just providing more thorough care. In the office-based practice, I was seeing 30 to 35 children a day, and I was responsible for four to 5,000 kids in a year, which is busier than some practices out there. You experienced that as well. And although it was always important to me to focus on providing really high quality care and building strong relationships with the children and their families, that was really hard to do at that pace. And ultimately, I think it was turning out to be unsustainable for me as a pediatrician. Mm -hmm. And I was even burning out, partly because I cared so much. I was investing so much of myself in the job and the schedule and doing it at that pace. And too many things were falling by the wayside, including 
ultimately the care. Oh, I agree with that. And on this episode, we also have your partner, who is also your business partner, which is amazing. Heidi, welcome. Hi, how are you? So Heidi's also a labor and delivery nurse who works as part of Elliston Pediatrics, which is this pediatric practice that we're talking about on this episode. Again, thank you for joining us as well. Thank you for inviting us. And I think you can agree to obviously watching Andrew be in private practice and then now being in concierge medicine, what he's describing with that uh, workload and what that does to us also bringing that home. Like, do you see a difference in him having started a concierge practice versus doing traditional, you know, medicine where we see a volume of patient like that? Yeah, it was actually my idea. Um, Amazing. He, Andrew, his dad is a doctor, his sister's a doctor, his uncles are doctors. And I think when you grow up in that family dynamic, and that's all you know, medicine is really all you know, and you want to be the best doctor that you can be. Sometimes I feel like you don't notice necessarily how difficult it is, you know, like I really truly feel like a lot of doctors go into it wanting to like save the world and I'm going to yeah. make a difference and it's going to be so awesome. And then you get working in a practice and seeing 35 kids a day or patients of any kind, you know, adults too. And you do it every day and you almost kind of get into this routine. You don't necessarily notice how that's affecting your personal life. And he was really burning out and probably not realizing it, or I definitely not realizing it, lost like 10 pounds. And I was just like sitting there and thinking like a human being should not have to work that hard and still feel like they're not doing their best. Yeah. Right. And so I was like, man, and I'm a mom, you know, we have two kids together and on the patient side. I was also seeing the effects of the healthcare system the way it is right now for our own kids. And I just talked to him and I'm like, hey, let's do something different. Like this, it, there's got to be a better way. This is not sustainable. So that's how it, the idea got started. Yeah. And I think we can talk so much about the benefits from our end as the doctor in terms of our mental health, quality of life. I mean, We'll talk more about what this concierge pediatrics is and, you know, how it benefits your patients in a bit. But um, 100%, I mean, I can attest to this too. I mean, I'm not in concierge, but I've been in private practice now for seven years and it drains you. And I, like you said, I went out of residency, like this is going to be great. I'm going to make a difference. And then you're realizing that when you're seeing so much volume, you actually can't make a difference because how are you able, like you said, Andrew, like to be able to do the quality and the time with 30, 40 people, you don't have that much time in a day, you know, you really don't. And then you get burnt out and then you lose the joy that you have. I mean, this is kind of why I started my podcast and everything else with Pete's Doc Talk is because of burnout. We do things because we want to reclaim our joy for our practice and our trade, which for me and you, Andrew, is pediatric medicine. So I, you know, really resonate with that. And I know you started this late 2018 and we're recording this in 2022. So it's been a long journey through a pandemic as well. What would you say some of the benefits of concierge medicine has been? And you can, if you want to reword that, I mean, I know you said that that term can be used differently, but what exactly is concierge medicine? What does it look like? How does it benefit patients would be my first question. Sure. So 
very much, I think that the future of pediatric care, if not medicine in general in the United States, especially, is going to have to shift. Mm -hmm. It's going to be similar to the ideas we're going to be talking about because the current system is failing both patients and their families and the doctors. Basically, we feel like families all deserve the level of care that we currently are able to provide, but that's not how the system is set up. Mm -hmm. We also think that doctors want to be able to provide that kind of care, but they're also not able to because that's not how the system is set up. All the reimbursements from insurance companies and incentives are flipped on their head and preventative care, primary care, honestly, just kind of gets the short end of the system stick. And the incentive for better prevention and better quality of care is not really there. It's not built into the system. So our practice is our personal attempt to change that whole system for the better, at least doing our part in our corner to do that. And for the patients, I think that the key in pediatrics especially is that prevention and just overall preventative care is the most important piece. And the benefits that we're able to provide our patients and families with our style of practice is that they get ready and direct access to their doctor whenever they need it. They can text a question to us and get answers in seconds or minutes most of the time directly from the doctor. Mm -hmm. We focus a lot on empowering families, helping them with lots of education at every visit, between visits, helping them understand developmental stages and milestones that are either already happening or are going to be happening. And we find that giving all of that preparation and empowerment really to the parents goes a long ways towards reducing the level of stress in their lives, improving the quality of their lives, the quality of the healthcare. It just all together as a bundle, it's really, really helpful. And because we can give so much time to each patient with this style of practice, we can, you know, our well visits are routinely an hour long. Wow. Yeah. In an office, if it lasts 15 minutes, you're lucky. And even then the schedule may not accommodate it. You know, I've been there when that hour long visit that I might have with one of my patients, which I did a few times already this morning, Mm -hmm. um, is all with me. I'm doing the measurements. I'm doing the exam. I'm doing the vaccines. I'm doing all the tests and I'm talking to the family the whole time and I'm watching the child play and I can get a lot more done in that hour than most people might realize. And you can't possibly do that in an office setting, especially in 15 minutes. So all of this prevention and preparation and ongoing contact with the families also helps do things like reduce visits to the ER or the urgent care. A lot of times an issue comes up and if they reach out and we're involved from the beginning, as soon as a child starts to get sick or gets injured or whatever the other concern may be, mm-hmm. and help manage it, stay on top of it, check in with them multiple times a day, each day if we need to. And because of that, we can avoid the need to suddenly need to see a specialist or to take medications that we could have avoided 
And in a regular office where you can't have that kind of access to the doctor and that time, you often wind up in the ER unnecessarily without knowing any better. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess Meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Yeah, you mentioned how uh, with this whole model, right, the patient and family has more access to their doctor because um, of the way that this is set up. And we'll get into more about like how this works with, you know, a monthly fee, insurance, emergencies, all of that. But I also find that because you have more time with your patients, like you said, like sometimes hour, maybe even more, like you said, you're able to give them more education about development. You're able to give them so much more in between visits that do you even see them calling so often? Like one thing I, you know, I think people will think like, well, then if you do concierge medicine, your phone must be like off the hook all the time because everyone's calling. But my issue with modern med, like in working where I do is because I don't get a lot of time, right? Of course, parents are going to feel like, oh crap, I had a question I had to ask the doctor and I forgot. So then we tend to get more questions in between visits versus if we had more time at the actual visit, we would be able to talk about anticipatory guidance, what to expect until the next visit calmly with time, which could limit the amount of all these questions that come in in between visits. Do you find that that happens because you're able to provide more time for your patients? It's a good question. Yes, it does go a long ways towards reducing the number of questions and maybe the work I have between appointments because I invest that time is yeah. part of why I choose to invest that time at the appointments with the families. That's not to say I don't get a lot of questions between appointments, but often it's just a, a quick one or two off question by text. We have like a secure 
messaging app that our families use with us. And I do answer questions from numerous families each day, but I actually get very few phone calls. They know to call if they really have an urgent issue and they need to reach me, but my phone is not ringing off the hook. And right. You can relate to this. When we worked in that busy practice together, the nights I was on call, I mean, the number of phone calls I would get, even overlapping each other, was almost impossible to tally yeah. per night. This is very, very different. Our families can reach us. We don't have as many families to take care of, and that's part of the difference. But the other part is we do provide a lot of education and preparation and support. And the families partly know that they can reach us whenever they want or need to. And that takes a lot of the urgency out of calls that happen like in the middle of the night or, you know, basically in an office where you might call, talk to the secretary who passes a message to the nurse who then passes a message to the doctor. And then it reverses. The doctor tells the nurse who tells the secretary who yeah. went back. That might even take two or three days. And by then the situation may already be different. We caught all of that out. And because the parents know that they can reach us whenever they need to, they wind up not needing to as much, right. not like they need to as much. Well, I know every concierge pediatric practice, concierge medicine practice, you know, may look a little bit different, like you said. So Elliston Pediatrics, your model, you're based in New York. And how does it work with, you know, you said you go to people's homes. I know sometimes some people have a brick and mortar office, but you really are prioritizing or doing the at-home visits, what is your radius of like where you see patients, what part of New York you see patients for? Sure. So, you know, partly New York City is a fairly unique environment, but for the most part, the idea is easy to understand. Mm -hmm. I travel basically all over the island of Manhattan. I'll cross the bridge a little bit over into Brooklyn, but for the most part, it's all of Manhattan, the island itself, and mostly more downtown. I travel however I need to get there. I walk. Sometimes I've done it for miles a day. I will take the subway. I'll take a taxi or Uber. Most of the time these days, I actually bike around to my patients. Amazing. <laughs> no matter the weather, which sometimes I question. <laughs> but yes. So part of the issue with concierge medicine is that it can mean a lot of different things. Some people build a practice that is an actual office and the patients come to them, but they get maybe more time and more attention. For us, we actually don't have a physical office where we see patients. We go to the patient's home for all appointments. And that is a little bit unique to us. Some might even do a hybrid of some house visits and mostly office visits but we've chosen to go all in on the house call version. So we're bringing that back. Amazing. And like you said, from a developmental standpoint, like you're watching the child play in their own environment. The family's not having to wait in a waiting room. That's Jeremy. Like they are in their own space. So I imagine the family and the child may be even more comfortable than, you know, having to lug them all across the city. Yeah. I mean, they are as a parent, you know, that even just going to the grocery store with your kid is yeah. like, the process. And so, yeah, it's a very different feeling to spend the time with a family, feels like as a guest, and watch the child interact with the child in their home environment. I get to see them play with their toys. I get to meet their pets, which in an office, I may have 
never even realized they had a pet. Yeah. I can look at the crib and tell them, no, no, you have to take these bumpers off the crib. It's not mm-hmm. safe. I wouldn't have known that unless they showed me a picture in the office, which is hard to do in 10 or 15 years. Yes. And they're much more comfortable. It's true. You know, when I have to give a vaccine to a child, which we do all the time, they can immediately turn around and play with their toys or go to their room or cuddle with their parents on their couch. And they're already in their safe space. Right. And uh, one thing that I would say to one of the reasons that we decided to do house calls is from the mother's point of view. Mm-hmm. As I said, I'm, I'm a labor and delivery nurse and a mom of two kids. And it never really made sense to me that moms who have just gone through a delivery and are still recovering, whether it's a vaginal delivery or a C-section or whatever, they're still recovering. And now you're asking them to go to a pediatric practice, go to an office, you know, log their kids there. And sometimes they can't sit because they're still feeling, you know, painful or, you know, or they're breastfeeding, or it's just such a vulnerable time that we wanted our practice to be family center, where we're catering. Yes, we're a pediatric practice. We are there for the children, but we definitely realize that if we don't make things easier and better and safer and more supportive for the parents, then the kids are not getting the best benefits that they can, right? Like the parents have it's like that idea of like putting the oxygen mask when the plane, you know, yeah. on you first. I'm a true believer of that, that parents need to be supported and taken care of. And then by extension, that makes the children be healthier and happier and better. And so that's one of the main reasons. When I had my kids, I was lucky enough that in the city that I was living, they had a granted program that they would send a nurse to see you for one visit. And I just thought that was like the most amazing thing that ever happened to me when I had my kids. And then fast forward, my kids are 18 and 17 now, but fast forward, you know, many years later, I was like, that's the key. We need to bring that back to parents. And that's one of the main reasons too, that we chose to do it at home because it's just easier for mom and dad too. Yeah, that is amazing. And there's so many benefits to families with children. And like you said, postpartum, lugging a child in a car seat in the snow. I appreciate Andrew for going in the snow on his bike or in a car, but that is so helpful to so many families. So I wanted to talk next about like structure of how it would work, right? Because I'm sure parents listening who've never even heard of this are like, well, how does it work with insurance? Like, is this something that is ever covered by insurance? Do they pay like a monthly fee? How do vaccines work? Emergencies? Like just kind of the basic stuff um, with payment, vaccines, and emergencies would be my question. Sure. Uh, It's a really good question. One we're very used to answering. I hate to throw this out there again, but the definition of concierge can mean different things Mm -hmm. to different people, different practices. And so there is no one size fits all. So some practices will take only out-of-pocket cash payments. Some will work with insurance to a certain extent our approach is the one we can speak to and we take a hybrid approach. So we are in network with the major insurance providers and we do submit billing to the insurance companies for all the medical care that they would normally pay for. 
they pay us the same as any traditional office that's in network at a very discounted in network contracted rate, which can be disappointingly low sometimes. Mm -hmm. Offices typically make up for that in sheer volume, which is why you see four or five kids an hour. Otherwise, you can't pay the bills. Listen up. I do not want you to go through the toddler years waiting for it to end. I don't want you to go through the toddler years feeling dread about when the next tantrum will come. If you have a kiddo one to four, check out my toddlers and tantrums course. This course contains modules on understanding toddler development and why they are the way that they are, understanding why tantrums may happen, mantras to get you through difficult moments with your toddler, including topics surrounding understanding discipline, boundaries, consequences, time ins and time outs, how to teach emotional intelligence and coping skills, and common toddler parenting concerns like whining, brushing battles, bedtime battles, hitting, and so much more. This course presents scenarios and scripts to help guide you on many parenting situations in the toddler years and even beyond. Visit pedsdoctalk.com to learn more about my paid and free resources, including the Toddlers and Tantrums course. Are you tired of searching Google and ending up in a rabbit hole at 2 a.m. thinking that you're ruining your kid? Stop and visit pedsdoctalk.com. My website is your new Google with a search feature to search all content that I have that is free or available by purchase. And let me tell you, there are a lot of free goodies there, like free printable PDFs for how to handle a choking incident to milestones to monitor in your kid. My website provides information regarding the health and development of your child, including parenting and sleep. My goal is that you stop those middle-of-the-night searches that lead you nowhere but into the land of anxiety. My goal is to guide you to be the confident and calm parent I know that you are. Make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and use the magnifying glass to search. Want even more? Make sure to sign up for our newsletter by visiting pedsdoctalk.com slash newsletter, where you can get the latest and greatest in child health news and parenting tips delivered directly to your inbox. That's pedsdoctalk.com slash newsletter. So we do work with insurance and we do that as a benefit to our families. It doesn't do us a lot of favors because the insurance process is painful on the back end. And a lot of families don't know that between the time, stress, expense, and staff that it involves, we're really doing it as a service to the families. So the insurance companies will pay for all the medical care. They'll pay for the appointments. They'll pay for the vaccines. They'll pay for testing all the things they would normally pay for in an office. They will not pay for things that the insurance company doesn't value, which is the extra time we can provide, the extra access and resources we can provide, the time and expense it takes for a doctor to actually travel to you. Mm -hmm. You know, I spend more time traveling than, I mean, to spend an hour seeing a patient in their home, I will travel 15 or 20 minutes on each end of that appointment. Right. And that's for one appointment. And so you could see the scale is very different than in an office to pay for all that. We do have a flat fee that we charge separately on the side, but that covers everything that the insurance doesn't cover. Yeah. Again, actually all the medical care we submit through insurance, just like traditional practices. I see. So in this, yeah, in a structure, so they would pay like a monthly fee for the services of, you know, having you come to the home and doing all the um, phone calls, all that, but then the insurance would cover vaccination. So the family is not paying extra for vaccines or extra for any of the things that they would normally get in an office. 
Right. Mm -hmm. And it's also a flat fee. So like, let's say, you know, God forbid your baby needs everyday visits because they have like high bilirubin and they, you know, you need to do testing. You know, we wouldn't charge you additional because you needed 10 visits as opposed to the other person that needed three visits. Mm. Because it kind of fluctuates as you know, you know, especially the first five years of life, the kids are either needing a lot of visits because of the developmental milestones and vaccines and everything, or they're sick all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then they get a little bit older and maybe you only see them a few times a year, but then they get into school and a lot of the social and emotional stuff, you know, they need a lot of support with. So it kind of fluctuates in the lifespan. So what we do is just keep it a flat fee. That's very, very particular for us. And I guess we do it that way because we're not very good business people. (laughs) (laughs) We're just parents and, you know, we're parents and we are medical professionals that we want to really make a difference. So I know for a fact that we are really on the more manageable end of the spectrum as far as finances go than other practices, but that's just how we choose to do it. And then things like, so if a child, like you mentioned Billy Rubin or just say an older child who needed blood work for some reason. So blood work, obviously imaging, where would they go to do that? Would that be something like if it's an emergency, they'd go to the ER? Does your practice have like blood work capabilities if that's um, needed? Yeah, it's sort of all of the above. Uh-huh. We have- Places that we have learned through experience do a much better job for children than adults, for example. And so that's a particular filter for the kinds of services you can find. But we have places that we do send children to get imaging and tests done, depending on what the issue is. We can and do blood work and testing that we're doing it ourselves at the home and It really depends on the scenario and the age and sometimes the kind of test. And then we also have a really fancy, I would say, telemedicine kit that our families have. And that also goes a very long ways towards improving the access and ability to provide the care and evaluations we can do. It's really, it's small. It's useful when they travel, which is originally why we got it. And then we actually got ourselves set up with it right before the pandemic hit and the world closed down. Mm. So it would be really helpful for that too. But it lets us listen to the lungs and the heart and look in the ears and the throat and do things over the computer that in some ways actually provides a better exam than what you and I can even do in person. So we have a lot of things that we can provide to our families that we've put a lot of research and work into. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, to me, the technology advancements and the fact that this is even a possibility, and I love it. I just think it's so great. And I think it's something that is so important for parents to hear if it's an option for them, um, you know, to see if that's something that they want to have, if they want that level of involvement with the pediatrician. I mean, I see so many benefits if it's something that's available in a family's area. And also, like we started off with, for the doctor or provider themselves, like it's amazing. So just to kind of summarize, what would you say then from everything that you mentioned, obviously we talked about the patients and what you love, what would you say is like the number one thing that if you could say why you would want other pediatricians to be in concierge medicine or why a family should be in a concierge practice? Like what is the biggest thing that you feel like is so valuable from it all? The bottom line is it's the quality of care. 
Amazing. Overall, yeah. is just better, which is extremely rewarding for me as a pediatrician because I know what they're getting out of that. And the families learn and understand it as well, especially if they're traveling. And while they're traveling, they wind up having to go see a local pediatrician in a regular office. They get to see the other side of it. Yeah. And that's really the key. It boils down to quality of care, which is always our priority. Every decision we make and how we operate the practice is focused on that. We will take the hit on something personally or for the practice if it means that we can enhance the quality of care and outcomes for our families, because that's really our priority. Well, that is what I want so much for medicine to change. And you're right. This We mentioned this at the beginning. It's such a sad reality that I think so many young families and people who are, you know, having kids now and just have seen medicine right now, a lot of them either blame their pediatrician or feel like their pediatrician doesn't listen to them or knows anything. And I actually disagree. I actually think their pediatrician knows a lot and is capable, but we don't have a system set up for us to allow the time to teach and educate and empower and do all the things that you're able to do with the time that you're given now. And I think that's just so awesome that you're able to kind of create that new reality for pediatric medicine and also just kind of reclaim your love for what to school for and what you love to do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I get so much personal value out of this kind of work. I really enjoyed working in the office where we were together. I got a lot out of that too, but this is like a whole nother level of reward for me internally. And I agree. Pediatricians all across the board know an enormous amount. They care so much. That's why they're in the trenches doing the work that they're doing. But a lot of it gets lost in the shuffle and lost in the system. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things, so you, Alliston Pediatrics is obviously based in New York City. If someone's listening and they're not in New York, how can they even start to find someone? I'm sure, is it just an internet search or is there like a database to find a concierge pediatric practice if they're interested? It's also a very good question. Part of what's really valuable to me is that our growth in our practice has been almost exclusively through word of mouth. So Mm Our patients and their parents will talk to their friends or their family and personally recommend us. And that means so much to me. Honestly, it means we're doing this right. So a lot of the spread of a practice like ours will come through word of mouth. And so I recommend that people actually talk to their friends and talk to their family. Maybe it's not a concierge practice, but it's a traditional office-based practice that they love. If that's someone who has the same values and priorities that you do, then take that at face value and strongly consider it. There's not really a database or central hub for concierge medicine. And I think part of that's because there's so many varieties of it, Mm -hmm. but you can certainly start with a Google search, online groups, especially some of the mom groups. I know in particular New York City, that's a very big thing, are a good resource to at least start. And then I would really strongly recommend that anybody who is interested find someone who sounds like they're providing the concierge medicine service that you want. Do your due diligence. Not everyone does the same thing despite how they advertise themselves. 
And I want to recognize the real life work from home of the dog barking. And <laughs> because that is, that is the reality that we're not going to edit out because that's just what we do here. Um, because that's life. I love it. This is so great. I, you know, every time I end an episode, I like, like to do something kind of random in terms of like asking a question to you. This has nothing to do with what we talked about. And I want to obviously share where people can find you and your website. But my surprise question for this episode is, tell me your biggest parenting fail and your biggest parenting victory, because I know you are also a parent. So nothing business related, nothing related to pediatrics. But what would you tell our listeners to make this more real? Because uh, kind of going along with the dog barking. In the sure. background. <laughs> yeah, life, real life is gritty. Yeah. Those are kind of hard questions because honestly, as a pediatrician, I should be a perfect parent, right? Oh yeah. What do you mean? Every, our kids are do everything we say. Yeah. So, <laughs> no way. Um, I think the biggest uh, like parenting fail, I guess you could say is it really feels like the last two years, mm-hmm. um, the pandemic has been traumatizing to everyone on an individual level and a family level at this point, really a global level. And all we've been able to do like anyone else is do our best. Yeah. And despite our very best efforts, both of our children actually caught COVID. Mm -hmm. They did well and they got through it, but it was really scary. And it happened before they were able to even be vaccinated, which they are now. We didn't know what the complications could be, including due to pre-existing health conditions. And I mean, it's, stressful. Heidi and I have managed to take care of our kids through COVID and see patients through COVID and not catch COVID. You know, we're prepared for that eventually happening, but yeah, it's a struggle. They're teenagers and a lot of what they need is just social experience with their friends in high school. And that got taken away and they're not the only ones where that happened, but we had to invest a lot personally emotionally in trying to help maintain like their mental health and their academic success, which, you know, pretty much everybody in the country took a hit on over the last two years. And it's been hard. And I know it has been for everyone, but it's hard to think about the last two years and feel like we didn't fail our kids or the other, you know, they're doing well at this point and things are working out and, you know, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But that's probably the biggest failure that we feel. I know I do. On the flip side, brighter side, the parenting victory that I value the most, and this is something I try to help our families do from day one, we have a really good relationship with our kids, open communication and good understanding. And they approach us with questions and concerns that a lot of kids would keep private and not tell anyone, much less their parents. And we can't even try to help them or support them if we don't know something is wrong or something is going on or something is bothering them. And the quality of the relationship that we have and that open level of communication is hands down the biggest parenting victory, I think, that we have. And that goes back years to build that. But yeah. That's been extremely valuable. And that is what I hope to see for my child. That's amazing. And 
Andrew, I miss you. It was so great working with you for the couple years that we worked together. And like you said earlier, we learned so much from that experience. And although you have moved on to do this, like there's so much that we learned from that. There's so much that you get to learn from this experience being a practice owner, if you will. Thank you so much for joining me today. Everybody listening, Elliston Pediatrics on Instagram. If you want to learn more about the practice, especially if you're in New York and you're interested in becoming a patient, I know it depends on what month, what's going on, whether you guys are accepting new patients, correct? Uh, yes, because we value the quality of the care we can provide so much, we have at various points hit pause and said we can't take a new patient for now. We are currently taking new patients and we're always happy to talk to families and even just provide some education well before they even consider joining us. So everybody is amazing. Well, I'm going to link the Instagram handle as well as their website, Elliston Pediatrics and Andrew and Heidi. Thanks again for joining me on this episode. I just one love to share this whole practice model with people who may not be familiar and two. Selfishly, I just love reconnecting with you both because um, I've never met Heidi, but of course I know Andrew very well from work. And so really, I'm so proud of what you're doing. I hope more people can be inspired to follow their dreams, even if it's not starting a concierge practice to reclaim their joy. So thanks again for joining me today. Thank you very much. It was really nice to reconnect with you. And I'm proud to see what you've accomplished with your podcast. Much oh, thank you. And when I'm back in New York, we'll have to reconnect again because I'm hoping with this pandemic easing, hopefully we need more ease. Um, I want to come back and we have to reconnect because um, I yes, I definitely can't wait to give you both a big hug. Totally. Yep. <laughs> yes. Have a great day. Bye. Yes. Bye. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.